what's new. Get ready. Welcome to the Play to Win podcast, a show where we break down weekly gaming news through in-depth discussion. My name is Tyler, and I'm joined by my awesome co-host, as always, Kieran. Kieran, what's going with you? Nothing much, just, you know, just chilling here. Weird to be on a video call for a change. Yes, this is this is very, very weird. This is our first episode of the Play to Win podcast, but if you've already been listening to us, you might know us from Games and Gaming podcast. As of this week, Games and Gaming podcast is done. We are rebranding as the Play to Win podcast. And as part of this rebrand, we are doing video now for the podcast. So you get to actually see us in our beautiful faces and our rooms. As you can see, Karen has Rick and Morty, some Funkos in the background. I got some posters and Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts stuff in the background. You know, you get to see us. You get to see the faces <laughs> behind the voices and all like that. It's, it's brand new. It's interesting. It's exciting. It's a bit nerve-wracking. I don't know if we both share that. But um, a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're excited to do this. We're looking forward to it. We've been, as we said last week in the final episode of the Games and Gaming podcast, we've been thinking about this for a while. We've been working on backend things, testing stuff out to make sure this would work. And here we go. The first official run of this. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a great one. You excited, man? I'm very excited. Um, we got a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, yeah. So. Again, for those of us who are brand new to us, who, have, who don't know us from Games the Gaming Podcast, this is Play to Win Podcast. My name is Tyler. My co-host is Kara. We're just going to give you a little bit of brief info about us real quick before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show. Because uh, our returning listeners already know stuff about us. We want to give you, the new listeners, some information about us. So I'm Tyler. I'm 25. I've been gaming ever since the original PlayStation, but I don't really remember much about it. Um, I mainly been on PlayStation. I've had each PlayStation console. I've also had GameCube, the Wii. I have a Switch. I've had a bunch of Nintendo handhelds, Game Boy Color, DS, Game Boy Advance, Advance SP, DSi. I had 3DS for a bit. Didn't really mess around with it that much, though. Um, I've never had an Xbox, but I've played on Xboxes before. I like Xbox. I like some of the games that they have over there. They're really cool and all like that. Um, my favorite game series ever is Kingdom Hearts. Uh, my it, Kingdom Hearts 2 used to be my favorite game ever. It's now my third favorite game. It got knocked down by 2018's God of War. And more recently, Persona 5 Royal. Um, yeah, that's just a little bit of information about me. You guys, of course, you know, you'll learn even more and more about me as we continue to episodes of the podcast. Uh, Karen, tell the people about yourself a little bit. Uh, my name's Kieran. I'm 23. I've been gaming since GameCube was my first ever console. Um, and since then, I've basically been Team Xbox. I own a PS4 for a bit, but most of the gaming I do is on Xbox. My favorite game ever used to be Borderlands 2, but recently got replaced with Ori and the Will of the Wisps. <laughs> um, which, if you want to hear me talk about that game, just go and listen to the first like 20 episodes of the Games and Gaming podcast. I don't shut up about it. <laughs> um yeah very very excited to be starting this new this new podcast and yeah very excited yes and 
if you did not hear um, on the last episode of the Games Gaming Podcast, with Play to Win, we're not just doing the podcast in just video form or audio form. In addition, we're going to be doing other videos on YouTube. We'll be doing reviews. We'll be doing previews. We'll be doing analysis type videos. We'll be doing, you know, theory type videos, probably fun feature ones like top 10 stuff, maybe uh, best games over here, best games over there. Fun little videos. Uh, you will, and you can get those every Friday on uh, YouTube at 1 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. GMT. And that comes every Friday, like I just said. The podcast will go live on YouTube and audio um, podcast services every Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. GMT. Again, the information is also going to be on our Twitter and our Instagram, which is going to be P2 win, play to play to win games, right? Or play to win game. I, I forgot. It's been, it's been messing me up. <laughs> I think it's P to win game. Let me double check. Yes. Well, we, the, the correct information will definitely be out there. We'll have that for you all so that everybody's all on the same page and you know where to follow us. That way you can get updates on the show, updates on other videos that we might be putting out and just, you know, see the things that we post over there because we don't just post, you know, updates. Sometimes we'll, we will post things, you know, about any gaming news that's going on. We'll post fun little things that we've done in our games on the play to win the our social media platforms. So there's a lot going on over here. It's all very exciting stuff. We're looking forward to it. I hope you all are looking forward to it as well. Um, Karen, did you get, did you find it? Did you get it um, yes. figured out? It's play to win game is there the socials. Go. Play to win game. And that is the word two, not the number two, correct? Not the number two, yeah. Play to win game is going to be the Twitter and the Instagram. So follow those, follow those, follow those. Now, with all that being said, oh, actually, before I get into that, remember, please share the show, share the podcast with your friends, family, Anybody that you think would enjoy it, um, share it on our share the Twitter, share the Instagram, share the YouTube, do all that stuff. Please subscribe. Please leave reviews. All of that helps out greatly. It helps us out a whole lot. It'll help us grow and become even better um, host for you all. So, with all that being said, this week's on the game on the not oh, see I'm also already messed this up. <laughs> <laughs> this week on the Play to Win podcast. We got a couple of things we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about Square Enix's um, Square Enix Presents event that they did on this past Thursday. We're going to talk about um, Sony acquiring Evo. Big deal right there. Uh, Sony also gave us some information about their next-gen PSVR controllers. They revealed what they looked like. We're going to talk about that. And for our question of the episode at the end, we're going to... We're going to talk about and ask, you know, the question of the future of big in-person events. Um... But before we get into any of all that, we're going to start the episode as we always do with what we've been playing lately. So, Karen, I'm going to kick it to you because you have one thing here on the list that you've been playing. And you said you didn't get to play too much of it. But still, what, what is it that you've been playing? Uh, I've been playing Star Wars Squadrons since it came to Game Pass a few days ago. Um I've I've seen this game like every time I go to like the the grocery store and I see this game on the shelf I'm like I really want to buy it but I know it's coming to Game Pass at some point soon so I'm gonna hold off 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it came to Game Pass on the 18th, and um, I've played. I've only played about like half an hour of it because I have had a like the busiest week I think I've had all year. So, <laughs> um, I've I've not played a huge amount of it, but I'm I'm enjoying it so far. It's it's really cool to be sitting inside a Tie Fighter or an X Wing flying about. Um, I I really want to play it in VR just because I think that would add yeah, like an even. <laughs> even better experience to the whole like i'm in star wars kind of thing right yeah i like i don't have the game i ever played it but when they announced the game at first i was like oh vr has to come to this for sure it just has to and then you know seeing vr i was like oh man that's got to be like the way to play the game it just has to be so that's awesome uh do you think i mean you i know you only play for about 20 minutes or so not much time but do you think that it's been easy to learn or has has like the onboarding process been smooth, or is it like yeah, there's a bit of nuance here? No, it's it's been fairly easy actually. I mean, it 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 explains fairly well like what all the controls are, how to you know divert power to shields or lasers or engines or whatever. Um, it's it, it's been fairly easy to pick up so far. I haven't had an issue with it. It like a little bit of tweaking of like the controls. I always invert my flight for like flying games. Um, so yeah, but it's been fairly easy so far. I haven't had any issues. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more about it. Uh, cause I, you know, I read reviews when it first came out, but I didn't really read too much into it. So I definitely want to hear your thoughts more on it as you continue playing and, you know, get deeper into the game and all like that. Yeah. I'll, I'm very certain I'll be playing more of this game. It's been a lot of fun so far, actually. Cool. Cool. Well, this week I've been playing, uh, I got three games here. If you've listened to the last few episodes of Games, the gaming podcast, you've heard me talk about these games before. Uh, if not, first time hearing me talk about them. Kingdom Hearts 2, I played a bit this week. I got a large portion of the way to the game after uh, we recorded the final Games of Gaming episode last week. So this, I've been replaying the game in anticipation of the game's 15th anniversary coming up on March 28th. And also, I'm working on like a a little personal project in relation to the game, so I wanted to replay it um, for that. I didn't need to, but I kind of wanted to. So I've been doing that. I am I am about to do the second run for Halloween Town in the game. And again, it's been such a blast going through this game again. It's been so much fun. Like I said, it was my it was my favorite game of all time for 12 years. No game could surpass it. And I played a lot of amazing games that are uh, objectively better than Kingdom Hearts 2. Mm. Like, I would say Last of Us is better than Kingdom Hearts 2. But it would not surpass Kingdom Hearts 2 as my favorite game of all time. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. I'll probably honestly finish it. I think I'll finish the game tomorrow. If not, I will be at the end of the game for sure. I'm trying to decide if I want to like do the final boss before the 28th or if I want to like actually finish the game on the anniversary. I haven't decided yet, but I mean, I will be at that point for sure tomorrow. Mm, yeah. Uh, did a little bit of Final Fantasy X this week, uh, continuing replaying that with my girlfriend. We Yesterday, actually, we just we stopped when we got to Guado Salam. That is, for those who know or don't know, that's the home of 
I guess you could say it's the home. It's kind of like a, a town where this race of people called the Guado live. So we just got there. Riku finally joined the party. So I have a full set of my full party of seven people now. And at this point in the game, it's always a bit annoying because when you play the game and you're doing fights, the only people who get experience during combat are the people who actually do an action when you're in battle. So in order for everybody in the party to get experience, you have to bring them in and have them at least do something. So what this I learned from my girlfriend, what I typically do, or what I always do is whoever needs to, whoever will actually kill the enemies, I have them do attacks. Everyone else, I just have them come in and guard. And then when it's their turn again, they, I just swap them out for someone else. Up to this point, the rotation's been easy. You start off with three people and then you just swap out either two people or three people. And then, you know, you just do one swap. It is good. It's very easy to keep track of because, it's you know, it's been six people. Now that Riku comes in and she's the seventh person, <laughs> it typically becomes very, it becomes easy to forget. Oh man, I forgot this person. Oh, I forgot to bring that person in because you have an extra person now. You've been so used to just six for so long. Uh, but I mean, I've been still enjoying going through that game. It's been fun. First time replaying it since I first played it in 2014, honestly. So seven years since I played that game, it's it's been it's a fun time though. And my third game that I played, I only got to play a little bit last night, was Maquette, the PS5, the free PS Plus game for last month. Yeah, that sounds right. Pretty sure it was last month or this month. I'm mixing up all the months in my head right now. I am really about to be done with that game. And like I told Kieran before we started recording, I could have finished the game last night had I had more time to play. And I could have finished it this morning if I had time before we started recording. Because uh, the game is actually pretty short. I, like, I thought I had played much longer than I have, but I looked at the time, the clock on my PS4, on my PS5, and it said I'd only played for about two hours. Now, granted, it doesn't show you like any time, like two and a half, two hours, 15 minutes, or anything like that. So I'm, I'm somewhere between two and three hours of playtime. I feels like I've played the game for way longer. <laughs> um, but I'm having fun with it. Some of the puzzles in that game have stumped me for sure. And I've had to look up like solutions. And when I look at the solution, I'm like, wow, actually, that should have been very obvious to me. <laughs> I should have known that I needed to shrink the stone to then put it through the gate so that I could get it out and do what I need to do with it. I should have known that. But uh, that's been a fun time. Definitely going to, um, oh, that'll be done uh, today or tomorrow. And I'll report back on that one next week. Awesome. So yeah, that's everything that we've been playing this week. And now we're going to get into the news of the show. Uh, we have our main three stories, but we also have a few brief mentions that we wanted to get out the way first. Things that we thought are important to talk about, important to bring up as news events that happen this week, but not big enough where a real long discussion will come out of it. Just something that thought was noteworthy to mention. Uh, first off, we have Jade Raymond opening a brand new studio in uh, Montreal. It's called Haven. Yeah, it's called Haven. I don't think it's called Haven Studio. Pretty sure it's just called Haven. And brand new studio she's opening, Jade Raymond, some of you might know. She helped um, start Assassin's Creed, Watch Dogs, um, a number of different Ubisoft franchises before she moved on over to EA Motive. 
she was working with them on some stuff over there and then she went to google stadia and google stadia is she was working some on a game over there stadia is no more their development studios are closed stadia as a um platform is still going on but the studios are closed so she left there and now she's here making her opening her own studio they're working on a and they're already started working on a, a new ip and they are being backed by Sony on this IP. So it's, it looks like it's going to be a PlayStation exclusive. Really exciting stuff right here. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't have recognized her by name. Um, but I, I have, I mean, I suppose I've, I've heard her name circulate a couple of times through, through a couple of things. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what this new Haven Studio comes out with. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. I don't know how long, oh, excuse me. I don't know how long we'll have to wait before we see anything, but I mean, she's working on something. It's coming out of the pipeline. We'll see it soon. Uh, second brief mention is the Fortnite event that happened earlier this week. You know, whatever Fortnite seasons end, they always end with a, uh, in a bang, to say the least, and with mm. some big event. This recent event, uh, it was the end to this, giant i don't i mean i don't play fortnite neither of us plays fortnite but mm. uh <laughs> but it was the end to their whole zero point season the season about hunters where we had just crossovers from ips all over different forms of media we had mandalorian in there we had the predator we had the alien we had ellen ripley we had the terminator sarah connor we had daryl and bishon from walking dead we got marvel characters coming in we have ryu jumping in there kratos master we all types of IPs in this massive crossover. <laughs> so that the event, uh, that season ended and it ended with this event that was actually a single player event, first first time ever, single player event for Fortnite. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, Kieran. I watched it uh, the day after it happened and it was actually pretty cool. Like the, you had to, like the main character, I guess, not the main character, but the guy, one of the characters of Fortnite, Jones, I guess, whatever is his name. He, um, you kind of work with him to put a stop to the zero point before it explodes and destroys stuff, I guess. And as you're like trying to go around to like save the world, save the map, save the island, mm, yeah. Uh, like things keep changing, and at, the way it, the way the map was changing was teasing the way the season six map is. So it was changing the character into a chicken because there's a chicken skin. It changed mm. the character into Lara Croft and her classic outfit, because that's actually oh, a skin okay. in season six. Yeah, and then, like, there was a part where there were, um like, it changed the map some, and there were wolves walking around, because there are wolves on this island now. Like, because in season six, it's all about primal. So there's crafting stuff. It's it's all really different. Uh, again, neither of us plays Fortnite, but Fortnite events are always big. They're always a big deal. And they're always really cool to watch. I see them. I'm like, man, I wish I played Fortnite. But that darn building, building, I can't yeah. get around. Yeah, I mean, we I mean, we talked about this on Games and Gaming a couple of times, I'm pretty sure. But, like, I want to play Fortnite because the uh -huh. amount of stuff, the amount of, like, cool stuff they do in that game is immense. Like, like you say, they've had so many different characters over the last season. And, like, I really want to go in and play as Chief and Kratos and John Wick. Um, but I, I just, I can't get my head around the building. It's, it's not, if, if they took out the building, I would a hundred percent play Fortnite. There you but, go. I've said the same thing. 
yeah but like it's just it's not something that i'm i'm good at i also feel like because people have been playing it for so long now yep like you can't really learn it now without <laughs> be, like I, I i would place last in every single game 100 percent. yeah yeah not for at, at this point it's too late if they brought a no building yeah. mode i would jump in for sure and play the no building mode but as it is nope i can't do it <laughs> no uh next brief mention we got here there's an xbox indie event happening uh on march 26th so next week from when we're recording days from when the episode goes live there it's going to be a collaboration with twitch uh idea xbox having this indie showcase they say there's going to be more than 100 games from independent developers all over the world uh, we'll look at the xbox wire post here announcing this and they say that they're going to be featuring tons of independent titles, including brand new game announcements from developers and publishers such as Drinkbox Studios, Curve Digital, Devolver Digital, Deer Villagers, and others. During the showcase, we'll debut new trailers and gameplay from more than 25 games, including Second, Second Extinction, The Ascent, The Wild at Heart, Void Train, X01, an update on Stalker 2, and many more. We'll also be making announcements about independent titles coming to Xbox and Game Pass. And yep. That's going to be Friday, March 26th at 9 a.m. Pacific time, which is 12 p.m. Eastern time, which is 5 p.m. GMT. It's a lot to keep track of, but yeah, that's I happening. Think when this ev- I think when this event goes live, it will be 4 p.m. GMT because you're currently an hour closer to me. Yeah, actually, it's funny. You, As you said that, I saw the part here in the article where it says, actually, it's 4 p.m. in the UK, not 5 <laughs> So yes, 4 p.m. GMT is when this is happening, Friday, March 26th. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, we'll get some cool little stuff shown there. Yeah, and don't, 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 don't you just love daylight savings time? You know, it, it's really annoying because when it happened earlier this uh, this week, I was planning to be asleep before it happened. So like, I wouldn't necessarily feel the loss of the hour. Yeah. But I ended up being awake right when it happened. I was like, son of a gun. <laughs> son <laughs> of a gun. Um, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know why we still do it, to be honest, but that's above my pay grade. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm actually fairly excited for this event. Uh, I, it was quite funny. There was uh, there's like a bunch of rumors going around recently that Xbox were going to have an event later this month, and everyone was like, "Oh, we're going to get like awesome big announcements and and blah blah blah." And, and Xbox was like, "Nope, it's an India, it's an indie event." <laughs> um, but I'm I'm still very excited for it. Um, I'm really excited to see stuff from Devolver, and I think Annapurna is going to be there as well. I'm, okay. Uh, do you know they they announced this game a while ago? Uh, Twelve minutes. I do know from right. Yes, that is gonna be there, yeah. and I, I want to play that game so bad. <laughs> it looks so cool, <laughs> so good. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see more of that game. Anna Purna just put out some really good stuff. To be fair, yes, they do. They do. I love them. Always putting out great stuff. And then our final brief mention here is Outriders is coming to Game Pass. That was kind of teased last week. And we were like, huh, looks like it. Not 100% positive. We were like basically 90% positive is happening. It's happening. It's coming to Game Pass day one, which is great for that game. Because as I said last week, I did not realize, I honestly did not think that this game was 
that hyped or that anticipated. I know people were playing the demo and were like, huh, the demo is actually better than we thought it was going to be. Um, but this is, this is good for the game and it's, it's good for Game Pass. It's also, if I'm right, the first AAA game coming to Game Pass on day one, which is a big deal in and of itself. Uh, and I, I wonder, you know, how many more deals like this we'll see in the future and for what games? I I hope quite I hope this is the start of a very long uh, streak of AAA games going into Game Pass day one because that means I don't have to buy video games. Um, no, I'm I'm fairly excited for this game. Like like I said previously, I hadn't like kept super up to date with it, but I I kept my eye on it somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to make a very important note that it's coming to console and cloud. It's not yes. coming to Game Pass for PC. Yes, thank you so for saying you, that. So if you're on PC and you've pre-ordered don't go canceling your pre-order because it will not be coming to Game Pass for PC day one. I don't know anything about whether it's going to come down the line or not. I don't know, but at least day one it's not. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm actually fairly excited for this. I was planning to pick this game up anyway, so now I don't have to pay for it. Nice, nice. Well, good for you. Good for anybody who was interested in the game or might not have been all that interested in it, but it's like, you know, I'll give it a shot now. Go for it. Me, I wasn't going to play Outriders anyway. I don't have an Xbox, so cool for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're going to get, we got the brief mentions out the way. Got through them about as quickly as possible, given what they were and all. Uh, we're going to get into the actual real big stories we had this week. Number one being the Square Enix Presents event that happened this past Thursday. Now, Square Enix, I, I like what they did before the show. I think when they first announced it last week, they had said, hey, this is happening next Thursday. And on the little picture, they said what was going to be at the show. They said, they didn't say it's going to be at the show. <laughs> Let's see you then, you know. And even still, I don't know why people do it to themselves, but people were still like, ooh, this is going to be there, but maybe we'll see this, and maybe we'll see that, and maybe we'll see this other big thing. And the show happens, and I saw people on Twitter saying, the show sucked. That was trash. Why was it this there? And it's like, you all knew what was going to be there. They told you what was going to be there. Why you expected anything more than what was there is beyond me. You set yourself up for failure. So that is on you. Don't blame them. Now, all that being said, there really wasn't a whole lot of really big stuff there at the show, to be honest. There really wasn't. They started off with Outriders with like a a lengthy one-on-one breakdown of it. Which, again, me, I saw it, I was like, don't know if this needs to be as long as it is, but maybe it, maybe it did. Uh, they had some mobile games there. They talked about Lara Croft's uh, The Tomb Raider 25th Anniversary, some stuff they're doing for that. But the three big things from the show actually came at the end. And go about the, we'll talk about them. I have them listed out here. First one, and possibly the biggest one, the one that everyone was looking forward to the entire show, is Life is Strange True Colors. That is the next major installment in the Life is Strange franchise. Uh, they revealed, they gave an announcement trailer of release date. They gave us a bit of a, not a lengthy, but I guess you could say a lengthy um, gameplay overview, developer overview, um, kind of explaining some of the characters and what the abilities are and all like that. I am all in on this game. I love Life is Strange 1. I really enjoyed Beyond the, um, Before the Storm. 
I have not played two yet. It's on my system. It's been on my system for a year now. I need to find time to play it. This is going to make me go back and play it so that I can have it done. Um, but watching this trailer, I was, I was just taken away. Just they took my heart away with this one. I love it. Did you see it? Uh, I saw part of it. I I was I was not at my PC when it was going on, but um, I I tuned in for like parts of it. Um, and I caught I caught the last like minute or so of the True Colors reveal. Um, it looks cool. I I I haven't played any of the Life is Strange games. Like, I plan to. Just mm-hmm. it, it's finding time. Yeah, uh, I understand that. <laughs> excuse me, but yeah, I mean, I'll I'll maybe look into getting this when it comes out. But I feel like if I was gonna do that, then I would play one before the storm and two before this one right and it's like with with the life is strange games you don't need to have played any of the prior ones because they're all disconnected from each other i mean one and before the storm are connected because before the storm is a pre is a prequel to one um and two it's its own set of characters and everything like that true colors here actually has a character from before the storm in it uh it looks like she'll be a important character or major character in this one um but i mean it doesn't appear like you would need to have played before the storm before you play this one because i mean mm. she's in a totally different place like playing before the storm before you do true colors i guess would just give you some idea of oh this is who she is and a bit of an idea of her backstory and all but i don't think it'll be necessary or anything for enjoying yeah. true colors um but true colors reading from the press release here that square enix put out is being made by Deck Nine Games, ones that made before the storm. And reading here, they say, brought to life through full performance capture tech by rising talent Erica Mori, players will navigate Haven Springs as Alex Chen, who has long suppressed her quote curse. The psychic power of empathy, a supernatural ability which allows her to experience, absorb, and manipulate the strong emotions of others, which she sees as blazing colored auras. When her brother dies in a so-called accident, Alex must at last embrace her volatile power to find the truth and uncover the dark secrets buried by a small town. Alex Chen's journey and power is yours to control. Her future is in your hands. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But like we, when we see the in the trailers, her using some of her abilities. There's one part where she's it's like they're on a bridge. And she's using them, and everybody is like glowing yellow, and like she is glowing yellow as a result of that. I'm just like, oh man, like this is, it's gonna open the. I think it's gonna open the door for this to be a really emotional story. Like Life is Strange one was emotional in its own way, so was Before the Storm, but I think this one just dealing with empathy and just people's emotions and feelings and everything and all like that. I feel like this could be a really, really hard-hitting story. I'm really excited by it. And it also looks um, really great, too. Again, like, watching the trailer, it looks miles better than Life is than the original Life is Strange. I haven't played 2, but I've seen screenshots. Looks so much better than Life is Strange 2. Mm-hmm. Just, like, the new tech that they're using is really bringing the characters to life in a whole new way, just making it look... It's making them look more realistic while still keeping the art style that the games are known for. And 
I'm just all about this, man. This this is this is a game I can't wait for. It is also great that it is releasing as one release. So in prior games, they released episodically over a period of time. The first Life is Strange released over the course of a couple months in one year. Life is Strange 2, unfortunately, it started release in 2018, September 2018. It didn't finish until December 2019. So like that one had a very prolonged schedule, mm. which yeah. I didn't play it, but I heard um, really affected that game or might have had an effect on that game's like reception and all like that. So the fact that they're releasing all the episodes at once is really great. I'm very happy with that. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, as, as much as the, the episodic thing is cool, I think it, it would make sense to release them all at once and then people can go through it at their own pace. Exactly. And they'll be able to do that on September 10th. It's coming to PS5, PS4, Xbox One, Series X and X, uh, and Steam, Windows Store, and Stadia. So I get excited. Get excited. Join me in the excitement for True <laughs> Colors, everybody. Please, please, please. <laughs> Uh, the second big thing from Square Enix's event was the reveal that Black Panther is coming to Avengers later this year. We've talked about Avengers some on the podcast on games before. Neither of us has it, but we've talked about it from an outsider looking in perspective and what the game needs and when it shouldn't get the things it needs. Uh, Karen, did you see this part of the show? Or at least hear uh, about it, read about it. Uh, I, I did not know. I read about it afterwards, but I, I have not gone to watch any of like the trailers or anything, just because I, I, I have... It's not that I don't have any interest in picking up this game, it's just I don't really have time to pick up and play Avengers and play everything else that I need to play. So I like I, I keep my eye on it from time to time when I see they've announced something new, but I don't actively take time out of my day to look at the new stuff they announce. Yeah. Yeah, I keep my eye on it. I don't, like you said, I don't have time to play this game either, especially yeah. with the issues that I'm hearing it has. Uh, I just don't have time for games as a service game with all the games I have and want to play. I might jump into this one, though, sometime soon because I I like Avengers. I just want to give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they gave, so they gave a roadmap for the game. They showed off some more footage of the new Hawkeye um, expansion part that's coming out, I think. I think it's already out. I believe so. So they show some more footage from that. Uh, then that in the spring here, they have the Tachyon Anomaly here, which basically allow, allows you to play as any combination of heroes. So previously, you could only, if you were playing with other people, if I was, say, Iron Man, no one else could be Iron Man in the party because there was only that one Iron Man. So mm, now yeah. it's like they'll allow it so you can have multiple of the same hero, on it, <laughs> which is awesome. You know, allows people to just play who they want to play without having to, you yeah. know, play someone they don't want to or isn't leveled up enough. Uh, and then there's some other stuff coming in the spring and summertime, you know, new events, new area, uh, new like new mission types and stuff like that. New uh, outfits, other improvements. Uh, MCU costumes are coming at some point in time, which is something that people have asked for, which is cool. But the biggest news was that War for Wakanda expansion. Black Panther's coming sometime later this year, if not the summer and the fall. Uh, it's going to bring Black Panther. It's going to bring some new villains, including Claw. It seems in the trailer you hear Claw talking to um someone, I think someone in, at AIM, and like you see 
some shots of the jungle in Wakanda. And then you see um, Black Panther, he jumps on down to T'Challa in his suit. So you see his suit, he's like, you know, he's like, Avengers, let's, let's get it, let's go. So yeah, the on their roadmap here, it says that Black Panther expansion is going to bring, obviously, him, new outfits, uh, level cap increase for power level, new villains, new faction enemies, story, new Wakanda jungle biome, and a new outpost. Again, I don't, I don't know necessarily what the outpost means, since I don't, neither of us plays Avengers. Um, but my question here for you, Karen, is this. Obviously, the game has a lot of work that needs to be done on it. Obviously, they've been working hard at it, especially you know, in a work from home environment, this is not easy in any way, shape or form. No. Do you think that end of, let's say end of summer, do you think that end of summer fall is too late for Black Panther to come to this game? Um, I don't know if it's too late, but it better be damn good because they, they announced a bunch of stuff I can't remember how many weeks ago, it might have been two or three, that they were going to be like reworking some stuff that was going to make it even more grindy and not as fun. Yeah, with the, ex- I think with the leveling up experience and stuff. Yeah, which I think people who, like people like us who like don't have it, but have been like on the fence about getting it. When I saw that, I was like, okay, well now I definitely don't want to get this game. Yeah. It's going to take me like hours and hours and hours to get like good stuff and and basically have to grind the entire game like that that's put me off even more from from picking this up i mean i i probably will like i mean like you say i am like somewhat interested in it so i'll probably pick it up at some point um but if 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 they have any hopes of bringing people back to the game and having them stay and pick playing this over something like destiny or apex or fortnite or or warzone or something then they better make they better come out with some damn good content yeah like it's the updates and the roadmap is nice to see um but it's like this is a where we are right now in time seems like a very critical point for avengers and it seems like right now they're hanging there a lot of their hopes that people will stick around on Hawkeye at this point in time, which is an interesting character to hang your hopes on. Yeah. The character that came before him was Kate Bishop, who was also very similar to Hawkeye. You know, it, it's very, it's not the character you want to hang your hopes on. And no. having Black Panther, highly anticipated, be so far out later on in the end of the year, who yeah. knows what other games are going to be out by then. Who knows how what other games are just going to be doing? Like you said, Apex and Fortnite and stuff like that. They're going to be calling people's attention. A new Call of Duty is going to come out this year. That's going to be calling people's attention. I mean, even yeah. if you know Warzone's still going on, which it will be, you know, that's going to be there. We may have Starfield this year. There are so many other games that are going to be calling for people's attention. That yes, Black Panther will bring people back because it's Black Panther, of course. But at that point, is it going to be so late that, like, how many people are going to come back for Black Panther? And what's yeah. the state of the game going to be at that point in time? Like, what's what issues going to be there by then? Will they have fixed a lot of the other issues that they have right now by then? You know, it if he if they brought Black Panther in sooner, let's say in June, for example, if they brought Black Panther in in June, it wouldn't be too far away from now to be like, okay, that they 
that can that could be a nice big resurgence for the game. But yeah. if it's if it's a late summer, beginning of fall, mm, I I'm really not sure. And then there's also the fact that they confirmed that Spider-Man, who's PlayStation exclusive, isn't coming this summer. Uh, he was supposed to be early 2021, obviously got delayed, is what it is. And he's he's not coming in the summertime. He's he probably will be coming after Black Panther, if I were to guess. So and I mean, he was yeah. already PlayStation exclusive, which irked a lot of people, understandably so. But that would have been another giant, another big pull for the game, at least on the PlayStation side of things, assuming he was good too. So it's, the game's in a really weird place and I want it to get to the place where it should be, where it deserves to be. But I'm worried that it might not be able to get there. That some of the, some of the big things for it will be too little too late. Yeah, I I think you raise a good point that if if they had brought Black Panther out like June July, that would have I mean that would have made me go okay well maybe you know I could pick up the game in like you know May, and then if Black Panther's coming in July that gives me two months to you know grind get some gear get blah 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 whatever, and then like have my character ready for when Black Panther comes out, but by the sounds of it it's gonna be late this year i would imagine maybe like september time so mm-hmm. i i don't know if i think they i mean obviously this might have been like a contractual thing i don't know but if if they had swapped operation hawkeye and war of wakanda i think that would have been a far smarter idea yeah i mean again you know work from home has definitely affected things but oh yeah Black Panther was teased when um, it was some event that they were doing last year. I think it was prior to, I think it may have been when they were first announcing Kate Bishop, either then or maybe shortly before the game came out. It was after Chadwick Boseman died. Uh, They were doing an event for the game and they started off by saying, you know, like we want to, you know, honor Chad, you know, Chadwick Boseman, you know, a memorial statement towards him. And behind the memorial statement was the logo for Black Panther for the character in the game. So, like, mm-hmm. it was very clearly teased. Yeah, he's coming. And then after that happened, it was presumed, I don't know if it was ever confirmed or just, like, one of those things that insiders knew that then told everybody else. But it was kind of presumed that Black Panther got delayed because of Chadwick Boseman's death. And they didn't yeah. want both. they didn't want to announce him or anything like that because they didn't want to be seen as capitalizing on his death or anything like yeah, that. It's like, you know, that let's makes sense, yeah. put, put that off on the back burner. So there is that. And also the fact that, again, work from home is a thing. So it yeah. makes sense that it's that he was delayed and pushed back. Uh, I imagine that they would have wanted to get him out sooner than they plan to now, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. I imagine they pro- their, their plan might have been to get him out in you know june but things just got all messed up and didn't work out their way you yeah. know it's it's working with the hand that they're dealt unfortunately and i i just really hope that they can make this hand work for them to be honest yeah like i mean everything i've seen about this game so far in terms of like content they're adding and story stuff and playing as people looks really fun i'm not denying that Mm-hmm. It's just all of the like all of the issues the game has had, all of the like grinding, all of the not being able to replay story, which you can now, 
Um, I did look it up while you were speaking. Uh, Project Hogger came out two days ago, so no, he is in the game now. Um, but like all all of the issues that game that this game has had has has made me not get it. But I do like the look of the game overall. Yeah, it, it looks fun. I I enjoyed the alpha beta, whichever one it was that they did last year. I enjoyed it for what it was. I just didn't have the time at the, at that yeah. point in time. I didn't have the time to put into that game. Uh, I still kind of don't. I'm trying to work through my backlog as it is now, but I mean, mm-hmm. I I might find time for this in the future. We'll, we'll see what happens with it. We'll keep an eye on Avengers and Black Panther and all like that. But the final thing that they announced here at the Square Enix event, ending the show, was we, they brought back Project Athea, gave us a new look at it. And, you know, it's not called Project Athea anymore. It is now called Forspoken, which that name's fine, I guess. <laughs> it's a fine name. It's not the name I, I expected. I mean, you never yeah. really know what to expect with, when it comes to the name of a game. Um, that Something about the name, I was just like, okay, I guess. I guess that's, I guess that's the name we're going. It was just like um, when Gods and Monsters was renamed Immortals Phoenix Rising, I was just like, Okay, I guess that's the name you're going with. Um, <laughs> regardless, we got to look at it. Uh, Ella, let me, I believe her name is Ella Balinski, is the actress playing the main character, Frey, in the game. Let me see, I'm looking at the PlayStation blog post right now. Yes, Ella, Balins- Ella Balinska is the actress playing Frey. Uh, she was recently in uh, the most recent Charlie's Angels movie that came out two years ago, I believe it was. So yeah, she's playing Frey in this game. And the PlayStation blog post here is a message from director Takeshi Aramaki. He says here, Forspoken is an action RPG where you will take on the role of Frey Holland, an ordinary young woman who must harness her magical abilities to survive in a fantastical and dangerous land called Athea. As Frey, you will embark on a thrilling otherworldly adventure and face treacherous trials to unravel the mystery behind the unknown land of Athea and awaken something much more from within. It looks really cool. We, admittedly, we did not get to see much of it. We saw a very, very short piece of a cutscene where she's hiding from a dragon inside this building while talking to someone we can't see. And she has some choice words for that dragon. <laughs> I'm not gonna mm-hmm. say them on the show because we try not to, we try not to swear on the show. But she was like, is that a mother effing dragon? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. All right. That's what we're doing. Uh, but then after that, we saw really, really quick snippets of traversal in this game. And oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It looks right. flashy. It is fast. And it is really, really cool. I, I love it. I am so annoyed that this is a PlayStation exclusive. I'm sorry. It's, it's not coming to Xbox. This, it looks so good i want this game it is coming to pc so at least i have that yes but i want this game on xbox man it looks like i'm looking at a screenshot from it right now i'm like yeah just please 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 give me this game on xbox as soon as possible well as soon as possible is two years after the game comes out because sony has two years exclusivity on it for console and as of right now forspoken is coming out in 2022 so Assuming it holds to that time frame, people on Xbox will not be able to play until 2024, which is very sad. That's a very long time for exclusivity, to be honest. 
Um, it is on PC though, if you have a gaming PC. If not, I'm sorry, you will have to wait. But the game looks really cool. I really want to learn it more about so it. <laughs> I want to learn more about this world. I want to see more gameplay, see how the combat um, is, see how the magic works with it, see what how... I want to see if like traversal plays a part in combat at all either. Because like just seeing her just like do the jump and the jump and the flip on the cliff. Yeah. And then the way she was, she's like running. I don't remember in, in Infinity War, there's a part where they're fighting Thanos on Titan. And Doctor Strange yeah. threw out like the platforms for Star Lord to jump on. She like was running, doing something like that here in a forest, and then did like a bullet spin forward. Just like, yo, this looks so cool. Hopefully by the time this comes out, I'll have a PS5 because I, I, I want. It looks so good. It looks very good. I am very, very excited for it. Even though we barely saw anything, we didn't get yeah. much new information aside from you know the name of the main character and like a basic premise. I, I am hoping we see more of this game this summer. I'm really hoping we will. Yeah. Square Enix. They did say after the event was over, they did say that there is going to be another Square Enix presents this summer. So we'll just, it'll be a few months before we see anything else from the company. Presumably the event will be June, maybe July. Hopefully it's not so hopefully it's not spread out too far like last year's whole yeah. summer game fest mess junk just uh, just kebabble was. <laughs> hopefully it'll be, you know, at a nice at a nicely placed time. All right, so now we're going to move on to our second news story of the week. That being the, the, the move that was on no one's bingo card for 2021. <laughs> that being Sony acquiring Evo. Yes, that's right. Evo, the fighting tournament that, you know, everybody knows. Basically, the Super Bowl of fighting tournaments. I guess you, would I be wrong at calling this basically the Super Bowl of the gaming industry, Karen? Uh, I I don't think so. No, um, I I think that's a pretty accurate description. To be fair, yeah, it's it is definitely the biggest, most well-known tournament in the gaming industry by a long shot. That's where, and if you don't know, this is where you have a like a bunch of the big fighting games go here. They have their tournaments, but this is also where you get fighting game announcements, whether it be new game announcements or character announcements, updates, these things happen here at Evo. It's it's a really big deal for the fight AM community. So Sony acquiring Evo is a big deal. I'm reading this Verge article here written by Jay Peters. It says, Sony and RTS, a new venture from Endeavor's esports business, have acquired the prestigious Evo fighting game tournament through, quote, a joint venture esports partnership, end quote. The terms of the acquisition were not disclosed, quote, due to contractual commitments, end quote. So then um, Sony put out a statement as well, and Evo's co-founders, Tony and Tom Cannon, have also put out statements. I'm going to read a couple of quotes from Sony's statements. I pulled a couple of theirs. Um, theirs is a, it's not that it's dense, but it's it looks really wordy if you just look at it at face value. So I grabbed a couple specific quotes from it. They say here, quote, today we're thrilled to announce the next chapter in the story of PlayStation and Evo, the world's largest and longest running fighting game tournament. Sony Interactive Entertainment has teamed up with RTS to acquire Evo through a joint venture partnership. 
Evo co-founders Tom and Tony Cannon will remain closely involved in an advisory role to ensure Evo continues to service the fighting game community and support its vibrant growth. This partnership marks a new collaboration bringing together the resources and expertise that will allow us to elevate the global reach, scale, and fan engagement surrounding this iconic gaming tournament, end quote. And then moving along a little bit farther down in their statement, they say, quote, our collective team is laser focused on one mission, preserving the authenticity of Evo for the fighting game community and finding creative ways alongside our fans to grow the tournament and make its events and broadcast more fun, engaging, and accessible than ever. At its core, EVO will remain what it has always been, an open format competition that gives fighting game fans from different countries a chance to connect, test their skills, and forge new friendships, end quote. And then I grabbed one more section here saying, quote, we're committed to breaking down the barriers for gamers to compete at all levels and providing a best-in-class global platform for them to showcase their skills and passion. We also want to voice our support for EVO's message today, about creating a safe and inclusive environment for players. At PlayStation, we've always made that our highest priority. As a collective team, we'll work closely together to ensure future EVO events are safe and welcoming for the entire community." End quote. That's everything that Sony had to say. Karen, you want me to read EVO's um, statement before we kind of talk about this, or do you want to talk about what Sony said first? No, no read EVO's one and then we can talk. All right, so over on Evil's site, co-founders Tony and Tom Cannon, they have a message to the community saying, quote, I'll read the, I'll read the entire thing here because it's, it's not that long and it's, yeah. everything here is pretty, pretty nice to say. So I say, quote, Evil would not be possible without the collective passion and collaboration of the fighting game community. And we're deeply grateful for your dedication over the past 25 years. We know last year was challenging to, due to the pandemic and the circumstances surrounding the cancellation of Evil Online including involving a former team member who has been completely separated from our company. We want to reaffirm that harassment or abuse of any kind has no place within EVO or any of our future events. And we're taking every precaution to make sure members of our community will always be treated with the respect, dignity, and decency you deserve. In order to deliver on the trust you all have all put in EVO, we realize that we need an experienced strategic partner who truly respects the spirit of the FGC. This is why we're excited to announce that EVO has become part of the joint partnership of Sony Interactive Entertainment and RTS. The new partnership is committed to bringing amazing tournaments and competitive gaming experiences back to you this year and beyond. We're thrilled to work with the teams at PlayStation and RTS to bring you EVO 2021 online this August. More information on the event will follow. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you for your continued support." End quote. So Kieran, they Sony owns Evo now. And it looks like they are planning to keep it keep it as what it has been. You know, as they say, uh, they want to preserve the authenticity of it for the fighting game community, but they also want to find ways to grow it. Yeah. What what are your thoughts on this? What what did you think when you first heard this and then after you, you know, read their statements and all like that? What what do you think about all this? Um, well, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm not hugely into fighting games. I've heard Evo mentioned in like a few instances, but it's never something I've watched or looked into, right. but I do know it's a big, it's a big deal within the fighting game community. Um, I'm very happy they're going to keep it as it has been. They're not going to drastically change it to make it like more, 
I guess you could say like more focused on PlayStation or something along those lines. But mm-hmm. um, but no, I'm 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 very happy they're going to keep it the same as as it has been before and just find ways to grow and expand this this tournament for a lot of people. Um, yeah, it's it's a very good thing for Evo. I think I think having someone as big as Sony on board is definitely going to bring bigger and better things for them in, in, in the in the future yeah definitely especially you know as they said given given the reason evo online was canceled last year um yeah. for those who don't know evo online was canceled last year because they it came to light that i believe it was the president at the time he had been doing some things involving just basically sexual harassment and misconduct and yeah. all like that and it was a big deal. So he, they removed him from the company. And this came at basically a, at a point that is basically the Me Too movement for the fighting game community, where there were just allegations coming from all across the fighting game community. Yeah. One of them in particular being the Smash Bros. community. Smash Bros. community was just basically flipped upside down by the amount of accusations that were coming out last summer. It was shocking, very shocking to read and just see all these names and people in the Smash Bros. community just be exposed for the people that they really were. So Evo, you know, finding someone to partner with them and, you know, bring them into the fold and help lead them at a really crucial time when they really need it, it's it's really smart. Sony being the partner, um, it makes some sense. I, I mean, I'm not involved in the fighting game community either. But uh, it turns out, you know, a lot of the fighting games that are played there are played on PlayStation already. So yeah. there's already a bit of a relationship there. Um, Sony, and then, I, you know, I read some people saying, you know, oh, this, this could be a way for Sony to kind of make some headway in the fighting game community, make some more headway. They don't, I mean, mm-hmm. they currently don't have a fighting game of their own. So they, they purchased Evo, perhaps this gives them more reason to have the next Street Fighter be PlayStation exclusive. You know, yeah. that way they are the true home for fighting games. Or maybe this is, like, obviously it's a long-term investment for them, as all types of business acquisitions are. They're just long-term investments. But this could also be, maybe they have a first-party fighting game in the works. Like, not a Street Fighter, but like their own, in you know, own new IP type of first-party fighting game in the works. And this can be the stage for it, you know, a way yeah, for it to yeah, get like, a bigger place, a bigger name. Yeah, yeah, something, something like Killer Instinct, like Microsoft have. Right, and I mean, the, back on the PS3, they had PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale, which I enjoyed. Yeah. I actually liked that game. Was it as good as Smash? No, <laughs> it was not as good as Smash, but I still liked it for what it was. So I saw some people saying, hey, can we get, is this, Maybe we get PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale a sequel for that. You know, maybe we could get a sequel for that. And, you know, it could be at Evo, you know, which would, I think that'd be cool if we got a sequel. I, I would like yeah. a sequel to that game. I think it deserves a second shot. Um, but speaking of Smash Bros, after this came out, people were wondering, whoa, wait a minute. What does this mean for games on other platforms, such as Smash Bros or Killer Instinct? I don't know if Killer Instinct has ever been at Evo. But people yeah, were wondering, yeah. People were wondering, hey, what does this um mean for us now? So there were pe- 
Nah. So then people were asking, and some people actually asked Nintendo. I'm looking at an IGN article real quick about this. Um, IGN talked to Nintendo, and Nintendo's spokesperson gave them a statement about Sony's acquisition of Evo, saying, quote, Nintendo has enjoyed engaging with fans at past Evo and tournaments and wish the show organizers the best with their new venture. We will continue to assess Evo and other opportunities as we plan for future online and offline Super Smash Brothers tournament activity, end quote. So it seems like as of right now, Nintendo is saying we're, we're not doing anything at the moment, but we'll see what yeah. happens in the future. And one of the, I believe it's the, yes, the business developer at Evo, Mark Julio, he also posted, he posted on Twitter saying that Evo is still open to all platforms. The teams at PlayStation and RTS are enabling us to continue working with our community to support fighting games. So it looks like as of right now, Evo is still open to all, to all games, no matter what platform they're on. And as for Smash, Nintendo isn't jumping at the opportunity to jump back in because it was on the roster for Evo last year. But then Evo went transition from the in-person event to the online event and Smash mm. got dropped. Now, that is presumably because Smash's online is terrible. <laughs> Smash, Smash has really bad online net code. Yeah. So you can't have uh, Smash be in an online tournament if you have poor net code. That's presumed. I don't think, I don't know if it was ever like officially stated. That's why, but I mean, it's an online tournament. Just put two and two together, connect dots. And that's why Smash got dropped. So, I mean, you have that happen. And then following that, you have all the controversy and allegations coming out of the Smash community last summer. It makes perfect sense that Nintendo is not jumping to get um, Evo, I mean, to get Smash back in Evo so quickly. Yeah. It makes sense that they'd be like, you yeah, know what? Sense. We need to just distance ourselves from Evo. I mean, they've already kind of distanced themselves from the Smash community some. They have a bit of a, I don't want to say rough relationship, but Smash, Nintendo and the Smash community don't necessarily see eye to eye on a lot of things. Mm. Um, so it, it makes sense that they know they're not jumping out of the chance, but I maybe they'll come back in the future. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, well, Kuwaramo, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think this is, this is a big deal. Big deal for Sony. Big deal for the industry. Oh, I... Yeah. I really wonder what is what evil will be like two years from now. Once we're back at like in-person events, I wonder how much of it is still staying the way it is and how much influence Sony is going to force onto Evo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see just how much of a focus they want to put on like just PlayStation at this, this next evil event. Yeah. And I mean, again, like you said, like we said before, I I wonder what this means in terms of Sony and fighting games. Like, yeah. I, I are we going to see the next Street Fighter be PlayStation exclusive again? Are we going to see them try to have their own first party fighting game? It's it opens up a giant can of worms, and it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens. We're going to be sticking in the Sony realm though for this next story. That being that we finally got our first look at the new PSVR controllers. And they look different. <laughs> they yeah. are very different from what came before. Did you, you saw them. Uh, what were your first thoughts when you saw these, Karen? 
They they look cool. They look very similar to the Oculus Touch controllers, the the new one with the um yeah with the big ring around them. Yeah. Um, but they they look really cool. I wasn't expecting to see anything like physical in terms of like new PSVR stuff. Consider they only announced that they were doing it what two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? Yeah, it was. It really was not that long ago. It was end of February, but they said, "Hey, PSVR two is happening." I mean, yeah. it's not the official name, but that's when they said, "Hey, you know, we're we're working on it." So, like, just like you, I was not expected to see anything physical from it for quite some time. Like, I'm on the train and I go on Twitter and I see, uh, I think I saw an article. No, I saw uh, it was the. I don't know if you follow it. There's a there's a, twi- a Twitter account is basically like a I guess you could say a bot of sorts for reset error, where whenever a new a new thread pops up or whatever, they kind of tweet mm. it out. So I saw that. It said uh, Sony reveals this. I was like, wait, what? Huh? <laughs> Scrolled on my timeline. <laughs> some found the actual article. I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, it looks it looks similar to the the Oculus controllers. Um, and that was actually what I first thought when I saw it. I was like, oh shoot, I, you know, it looks very similar to my Oculus controllers. Um, except the ring. So, a picture of this. If you're not, if you haven't seen it, if you're not. Um, looking looking it up right now so picture the oculus touch controller okay except the giant ring is at the back literally at the very back of the controller you have to kind of put your hand through the ring to grip the controller and each controller has one analog stick uh one of them each one has two buttons one has x and square the other has triangle circle or i might be mix up the button placements uh and then one has the options button, one has the create button. And yeah, it's like, it's, I guess, like straightforward in terms of like how you're going to hold it, but the ring is in the back. They have a weird, really funky looking design, to be honest. It, but I like it though. It looks like it'll be yeah. comfortable. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. It's like, it's, it's certainly different, but I actually really like the look of them. Yeah. Um, and they're black. For those w- hoping and wondering that, you know, hey, please don't give us more white controllers for this <laughs> PS5 generation. They are black here in the picture. Have no fear. Um, but in this PlayStation blog post, they gave uh, some information about the features that are going to be with it. So I'm going to read a bit here. They say, at the start of this, they say, quote, our new VR controller speaks to our mission of achieving a much deeper sense of presence and stronger feeling of immersion in VR experiences. It will build upon the innovation we introduced with the DualSense wireless controller, which changed how games feel on PS5 by unlocking a new way to tap into the sense of touch. Now we're bringing that innovation to VR gaming. So then they start going into different aspects of it. They talk about the design here first, saying that it takes on a orb, a quote orb shape, which it, yeah, it very much is an orb shape. When you look at yeah. it, it's, it's a bit of an orb shape. And that's all because of the the giant ring at the back of the controller, like at the very bottom of the controller, and how it connects to the front of the controller. Again, you gotta look at pictures of it to really understand exactly what we mean. Um, but they say this orb shape allows you to hold the controller naturally while playing with a high degree of freedom. There are no constraints with how you're moving your hands, providing developers with the ability to create unique gameplay experiences. And they also say they designed this controller with ergonomics in mind, so it's it's well balanced and comfortable to hold in each hand and they've tested users with a bunch of different hand sizes and all like that 
now with the features this is where a lot of people were you know really wondering back when they first announced this like huh i wonder what features from the dual sense are going to be here and the features you could expect from the dual sense are here adaptive triggers are in this new vr controller for both r2 and l2 which is awesome and yet again they use the example of drawing a bow <laughs> <laughs> to describe the adaptive triggers, and it's like I understand it's an easy example, but can we please get another example of some sort? Yeah. Can we please get another one? Um, so they, yeah, they talk about that. Uh, haptic feedback is also going to be here in the controller as well. Uh, they say, and they say that the haptic feedback has been optimized for the VR controller's form factor, so that's exciting. Then they say that there is finger touch detection now with the controllers. So they say here, the controller can detect your fingers without pressing in the areas where you place your thumb, index, and middle fingers. This enables you to make more natural gestures with your hands during gameplay. Um, so I imagine that this is similar to on, I, I don't know how all the Oculus controllers are, but I know the Oculus Quest 2 controllers. Um, when I'm playing like, when I'm playing any game really, and I'm holding a troll, I, I look down at it, and like if my finger is against the button or like a bit away from the button, it'll track where my finger is and all like that. So I imagine that it is something along those lines that that's what they mean. Karen is <laughs> for audio listeners right now, Karen's camera is a bit out of focus. So for like the past two minutes, yeah, he's trying to get it back. I don't know what's like, I'll. I'll yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm probably gonna just put you speaking when my camera's. Like, I don't know why it's not focusing. No, you you can leave it here. You can leave it. You can leave yourself in it when you're doing this. You know, let the people see. Yeah, <laughs> let people see. It's funny. It didn't take long for the technical technical difficulties to start. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Why is this not focusing? I. I'm not quite sure why he's he, you know, he's been doing the hand thing to get it to get it focused and it were it was focused for a while and then all of a sudden it just said oh hey oh, there we go there you see I, maybe right. maybe the camera was like hey back up back yeah. up a bit <laughs> all right he he's back he, we can see him okay. nice and clearly now doesn't like we're looking through a foggy mirror anymore no we're all good um so yeah the, the controllers have finger touch detection. And the controllers also have tracking. The, the controllers are tracked by the new headset through the tracking ring that is at the bottom of the controller. So the ring isn't just there for aesthetics, it's there for a reason. Uh, and they also have a the R1 and L1 buttons on the VR controllers. They are the grip buttons. So basically, as it says here, being used to pick up in-game objects, for an example. I like this. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, the uh, the thing that I think, well, I mean, I'm very happy the the adaptive triggers and the haptic feedback are here because it is going to make it more immersive. Mm -hmm. I really like the the finger touch detection. I think the only thing that has this so far is the Steam. What's the name? Steam um, index. In index. Yes. Yes. You mean um, yeah, I, I think the only thing that has this so far is the Steam index, where you can see like your individual fingers moving on the controller. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's that in depth because I know like the Oculus you can see like your thumb moving and then these fingers moving, but um, yeah, it it will be very interesting to see if they have like individual finger touch uh, detection. Yeah, I well you know, I'm sure when we see 
actual game footage and demos and stuff like that, yeah. we'll have, they will know exactly what it is they mean, what type of finger touch detection they're going for. Uh, but this is really cool. And they say that the prototypes of the controller are going to be um, in the developer community soon. So again, it, this really makes me think that this PSVR, the new one, is much much closer than we thought. Yeah. Because I like when they announced it, I thought, okay, they're announcing it. It's going to be, it'll probably be like the end of the year when we actually see, you know, the headset and the controllers. But we're going to see the controllers just a few weeks later. So, I mean, I initially I was thinking that the next gen VR would not be out until holiday season next year. But I mean, that's still very realistic. But I would not be surprised if the headset is out sooner than next sooner than fall next year. Yeah, yeah, I I would I would have said summer maybe. Yeah, like at the earliest maybe. I'm I'm starting to think that we might see the actual headset this summer. It's very possible we could see the headset this summer. Yeah. It's it's, it's very exciting. I I want to see what the headset looks like. I want to see how it connects to the PS5 and how it's going to work with the PS5 because I would love to get the next gen PSVR. I I have the Oculus Quest 2. I love it. It's a lot of fun. Although I haven't played it recently because whenever I play recently, it does not stay on my head in a specific spot. Mm. So I put it on, but then it slides down. So then I'm constantly oh, okay. having to move it up so it's like so I can see fine, but it's constantly yeah. sliding down. So I need to find a way to like counterweight that and balance that out. Um, but I mean, I love VR. It's so immersive. It's like a whole new experience. I believe, yeah. I believe that VR is going to be the true next gen at some point oh, yeah. like that will yeah, be the definitely. true next gen like where console gaming is it has its own next gen where we are and like at this point the 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 level of returns is getting lower and lower uh the you know the greatest returns we'll see when next gen is like processing type stuff the way yeah. npcs can do things like the graphical returns is getting lower and lower and the immersion is getting lower and lower but vr that is like the true that's like the next frontier in a way for gaming. And I'm so excited. I really want that to, you know, I want it to really pop off and be a hit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to kind of like tag onto this a, a little bit, there have been several rumors cir- circulating this week that Xbox is making a VR headset. And I think they commented and saying it's not something that they're looking into at this time, but I, I would take that with a grain of salt, but I would take the like leaks with a grain of salt as well. Cause they're not going to announce it until they're ready. They're not going to say, oh, yeah, by the way, we are working on it. We'll show you more this summer. No, they're, they'll wait They'll wait until they're ready to talk about it. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Xbox are working on a, a VR headset as well. Real quick side question. I saw someone mention this. Do you think that they actually are not working on their own headset, but that they will allow support for other VR headsets? on the Xbox? Um, I think they would. I think, I think, I mean, one, it would save them a bunch of time in R and D really and cost and, and everything. Like, so, I mean, theoretically, if they did that, when this might be like a little bit of an underhanded move, but they could like when Sony announced PS VR two and say, this is when it's coming out, they could also come out and say, by the way, you can also use your quest Two or, you can use your HTC Vive or your Valve Index to play to play games from the Xbox. Like, 
yeah, it's it, it's it's something I can see them do for sure. Yeah, I think that, like you said, that would be the the easiest way for them to go about it. That way, they yeah. don't have to do with the any of the investment themselves. They can just if you already got yeah. it, plug it in. Yeah, and I mean they already have a, a at least a working relationship with Oculus because for the longest time, Oculus uh, VR headsets came with an Xbox controller. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Huh, interesting. Yeah, the, interesting. the original, um, the Oculus... Rift? Rift uh, consumer version 1 came with a, an Xbox controller, I'm pretty sure. Hmm, I did not know that. The more you know. But yeah, this this next-gen PSVR, it, it's seeming really cool, interesting. I mean, there's not a lot here from this controller reveal, but I mean, it's it's big in and of itself that we're even seeing yeah. right now that we're getting confirmation of what features are in it. The future, man, it, it's the future is so cool. The future is great, and I'm looking forward to seeing more about this sometime soon, hopefully in the summer. Now, that's all the news for this week. We're gonna talk get into our question of the episode, which every week we have a one of us brings a question to the episode or. If you so choose, viewer slash listener, you can submit a question for a question of the episode to us over on Twitter or on Instagram and submit us a question that we can answer here on the show. That way it gets you all involved in the show, get you all involved in the proceedings. You know, it's a good time all around. This week, our question here is stemming from a new story that we, we didn't bring into the main um, set, but it stems from a new story. That story being that Gamescom is going to be a hybrid digital and in-person physical event this year. Um, reading this IGN article here, they say that the team, this article is written by also Jordan Alleman, says here the team behind the huge European gaming show asked community what they wanted from this year's event using feedback to inform how the Cologne convention would take shape in 2021. Quote, in addition to the digital aspects, the possibility of trying out the latest games on site and diving into the gaming world form an integral part of Gamescom. The quote, end quote, the release reads. Quote, this is why Gamescom 2021 is going to be staged as a hybrid event and thus unite the best of both worlds, physical and digital, end quote. Uh, it's going to be from August 25th to the 29th. It's going to feature an entertainment area, just kind of sort of like in previous years albeit with, quote, a reduced amount of on-site visitors, end quote, where attendees will be able to test new games on site. And this will be uh, complemented by a, quote, digital queue management system, end quote, to control crowds. There's also going to be an event area that offers space to host esports competitions and cosplay contests, as well as an expanded business area to provide trade visitors with, quote, optimal networking conditions, end quote, under current conditions. and Gamescom's digital output will be, quote, further developed, end quote, in tandem with Colness. Is that how I pronounce Is that how you pronounce that, Karen? Did I pronounce that correctly? I think so. I'm presuming, I, I'm assuming I pronounced that correctly. Uh, looking to create, quote, a central meeting point on the web for gaming fans all over the globe, end quote. Those exhibiting at the event can they'll be able to, quote, organize their participation flexibly, end quote, and Gamescom shows such as Opening Night Live will also return, which Jeff Keighley confirmed this week he will be hosting. So that is also very exciting. So Gamescom is planning to come back this year, physical and in-person event. And for those who don't know, Gamescom gets a lot of people. 
Gamescom attendance is huge. It's a big deal. So with Gamescom being a hybrid event this year, though, what do we think is going to be the future of big events like this? Like, do we think that they're going to stay in a hybrid form even after the pandemic's over? Do we think that they're going to get, like, a whole lot of people coming? Because, I mean, one, currently we're in a pandemic. But, I mean, even after the pandemic is over, do we think that they're going to have a lot, like, a big in-person numbers or a big just big numbers period and like for how long and you know how successful do we think these hybrid events are going to be like how successful do we think that is going to be in terms of like the, the numbers that they get in terms of problems that they have pulling just pulling the thing off what what do we think is going to be the future of big events I don't think they're going to maintain a hybrid form. I think they're going to want to get back to in-person physical events fully as soon as possible. I don't think that's going to be next year. I think it's going to be 2023. Um, Because I, as much as I hate to say, I doubt this pandemic is going anywhere anytime soon. Uh But but I I, I think they're going to want to get back to in-person events fully as as soon as possible. Because I think that's, Yes, it's cheaper to host online events. Like, you don't have to hire a venue. You don't have to blah, blah, blah. But I, I think that, I mean, I've, I've said, I said this a few times on, on Games and Gaming when we've kind of, like, touched on this topic is, um, I don't know if anyone listens to Play, Watch, Listen, which has Alana Pierce, Mike Bithell, Troy Baker, Austin Wintry, who are all somewhat involved in the video game industry. Uh-huh. Mike Bithell has said that, like, something that i didn't know before he said it that uh, a lot of like business gets done at in-person events like that's where a lot of games get pitched that's where a lot of games get funded that's where you make industry connections so i i, I wouldn't be surprised if if they want to get back to that as soon as possible um i don't think their attendance will be as high when they get back into it to start with i think this like this pandemic is is going to have ripple effects for, I mean, I would imagine at least the next like five or six years. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of those being, I think people are, at least some people, are going to be a lot more cautious about going out to like big physical events or concerts or conventions. Um, yeah. So I, I I still think they're gonna get they're gonna get a good turnout because it's it's like E three and Gamescom and and Game Awards and whatever. But I don't think it will be as high as it has been previously um yeah i also i mean in terms like how successful each half will be i think the online thing might be i mean i i can imagine i i would imagine like most of the time the in-person stuff is more sorry the the digital stuff is more successful than the in-person stuff because more people have access to it like because, I mean, the convention center at E3 can hold probably, I mean, I think, if I remember this correctly, don't quote me on it, but I think their attendance numbers are something like 80,000 a year. I don't like know that. the numbers off the top of my head, so I can't yeah. confirm or deny. Um, but, like, so, yeah, I mean, so, so I mean, even say you have 80,000 people can uh, attend in person, like, half a million people watch it online, probably more than that. So I, I have to imagine that the online part is usually more successful than 
like people walking the show floor, people playing games in person, which is why I really want to see them continue doing stuff like um, Xbox did one uh, a few months ago, I think, um, where they had like a bunch of game demos that you could play yeah. that like previously you could only have played on the show floor at somewhere like E3 or Gamescom. And they did that so last I, I think summer too. Sorry? They did that last summer too. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, 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 would, I would really like to see them do do more stuff like that because usually it is only reserved for like people who are at the show you might get one or two demos but last year it was like i think they had like 25 game demos total um so yeah yeah i i i I would i would have to imagine that the online part is usually more successful than the in-person part yeah so i i think that like you said they're gonna want to not just Gamescom, but all these big events. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, they'll they're gonna want to get back to you know, being in all physical event in some capacity, just having their venues be filled with all these people. Because, like I said to Karen before the show, yes, it's you know it, it's easier or cheaper you know to do digital events and stuff like that. Yeah. But you lose the communal aspect of the in person events. You you lose yeah. the the you you drop an announcement and the whole room just loses their mind a person comes out on stage and everyone's just like yeah you you lose those things the cosplay contest that you know gamescom is um doing yeah you could do it digitally but it's not the same as just having people physically there you lose that and i'm so sorry that they're going to want to be able to bring that back you know by being all in person it's going to be so surreal the next time we see an event where everybody's in person, in a you know, an auditorium, a stadium, wherever it may be, in a room, for uh, an event, a big event like this. But I, I can, I feel like they, the success of hybrid or digital events, or the next we say these digital events in general, I think it will entice them or lead them to still maintain some sort of a hybrid form, whether that be, you know. I mean, let's let's use E3 as an example. That's the one I'm the most familiar with. So yeah. E3 currently, I mean, as it always has been for the past couple of years, for as long as I could think of, you've been able to watch it online, which, you know, is what it is. Uh, this year, there you know, there's reports that they want to bring in demos and stuff like that. Cool. I think that we can see, you know, in the future, it'll be, they might continue to maintain that hybrid form of, yes, we... We are not going to have, like, after the press conferences, there aren't going to be, like, these panels and stuff that we see digitally, maybe not all the time. But we will do, we will have um, demos available for you all digitally. Or maybe these, you know, the, the events, they see success. And they see that, hey, having all the panels available to watch online as well is great, you know. So... Maybe they say if you like you pay to come in person, you know you do everything, but if you're not able to come, maybe you just pay a small price to go see this panel or see this panel. You know, in addition, mm. the demos are available for free wherever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you. Some things that I've seen recently, you know, people have done concerts were like, all right, it's an online concert. You just pay to get the ticket or to go into the to see the online concert. So maybe the way they adapt is having the panels be something you can buy into and there's like a certain amount that you can of people that can be watching it online and something like that i don't know i think that there will be some 
I think that there will be success with these, with the, the digital events that we've had. And in the future, these big events will see what worked with these digital events and incorporate that into the events going forward. If once they go back to, you know, all in person, once the in-person numbers start to, you know, really go back up to back to what they were before. Cause as you said, it's people are going to be cautious for the next couple of years and all like that. Yeah. Understandably. So like if New York comic-con happens this year, I, I may or may not go. It depends on what the state of things is like here. Yeah. Um, but I imagine that they'll take the learnings, they'll take lessons, they'll see what worked and say, you know what, let's incorporate this into what we would do to what we would normally do to make our what our show was even better. We can serve more people that way. We can bring more people into the fold that way. You know, it that's just what I think could happen. And like attendance for this year, I honestly don't think their in-person attendance for Gamescom this year is gonna be that high. Granted, no, I don't no, know what I don't know what the COVID situation is like over there in Germany. I don't know. So it could be way better than it is here in the US. Um, but, and I mean, again, that's also in August, that's months away. So things could be much better by then over there. Um, but I still would imagine that people are gonna be real hesitant to just go to an in-person event. I don't think there's gonna be a whole lot of in-person people there, but digitally, no. the digital part, that might see a whole lot of success. There might be a lot of people there for that end. You know, it's it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens and see how companies adapt and maintain things that worked before while bringing in new ideas that they have had to like just think of on the fly to keep things running. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, just uh, going off of something that you said uh, a little bit earlier, could you imagine being in the room at like an at like last year's Xbox E3 briefing when they were like, "Oh, by the way, we have one more thing," and they're in a, and they announced they're buying Bethesda, like, oh my gosh, like that that was announced in September, but like, if, imagine if that was if that was an E3 announcement, yeah, or even a game that hmm. No, that would have been an E3 announcement. That would have ended up being maybe a Gamescom announcement just because timing on how those deals work, you know? Yeah. But yeah, although, I mean, yeah, but I, I get the point like still if, stands. If, the point still yeah, stands. It, it would have been insane. Yeah. Like, I, I, I reckon that the roof would have came down on that theater. Everyone would have lost their minds if they had yeah. that at E3. It would have been like, are you serious? Like, I can only imagine it would have been like this feel like Phil Spencer or Matt Booty, whoever would have come out like, yeah, we've been buying, we've been purchasing studios, making acquisitions, and today we have one more that we want to announce for you all. And, you know, like the, the screen, like the lights go dark, screen comes on, and like you see like a montage of all the different studios and like games from their different studios that they have. And then it cuts to black. And then you hear, boom. Um, yeah um, that's that's exactly um, how i was picturing it in my head and i just like everyone's like no way no way and then you see like footage from skyrim and fallout you see bethesda's name pop up everyone just like lose like like lose yeah. mind. loses their mind i imagine that, that that's just one way to do it just to just bring the house down yeah but again you lose them when you don't have physical yeah you know, that community man Oh man, well, I'm missing person events, but I'm not all that excited to go back to them. I can wait on it. I can wait. 
Gamescom is going to be one to keep our eye on though later on this summer. So stay posted on that one, everybody. But I mean, that's going to be our show. That's our show for this week. Uh, Karen, how, what did what do you think? Was we I think we did this one pretty well? Yeah, yeah, it went pretty good. I unfortunately I can't see how long we've been going for it, but yeah, I thought about that um, at some point. Like I think it was like ten minutes into the show, I was like. Oh, I should have started timing before we recorded since I don't have like the time anywhere else. Uh, I believe it's been about an hour. I want to say it's been at least an, an hour, close to an hour and a half. I want to say maybe a bit more than that. Yeah. I don't think it's been crazy long, but it's been, it's been a fun show. It's been a fun show. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I liked doing it like this, you know, getting to see, getting to see you, your face, you get to see mine, people getting to see it. It's it's a fun time. So yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Remember to follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at play to win game. Not play two with the number two, play to win all words game over on Twitter, Instagram. Follow us over there. Uh, remember some of the questions for question of the episode. Share the show with your friends, your family, coworkers, anybody that you think like the show, it's very much appreciated. You know, subscribe to the show on podcast platforms, leave reviews. We we would just greatly appreciate it very much. And remember to subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Make sure you're subscribed to us. That way you can see all the content. Hit that notification bell too over on YouTube. That way you know you're the first one of the first people to know when a new video goes live. Remember. The podcast goes live 1 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. GMT on Mondays and other videos that we post will go live the same times, except on Friday on YouTube. Uh, Kieran, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at BadlyNet, B-A-D-L-Y-N-E-T, all one word. I tweet some funny stuff. I don't really post on Instagram all that much, but yeah. It's good times. And you can find me over on Twitter at TylerMiller2496. I tweet a whole lot of stuff. I like and retweet a lot of stuff. So if you go on my timeline, you'll see all these things I'd like to read. All these stuff. So follow me over there. Thank you all so very much for watching and listening. I hope you all enjoyed and we will talk with you all and see you all next week. <laughs> Have a good one.